Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This is CNN Breaking News. We begin with breaking news. I'm Poppy Harlow with Phil Mattingly in New York. An urgent manhunt is underway right now in Maine after a mass shooting, multiple mass shootings at a bowling alley and a bar in Lewiston. Law enforcement sources tell CNN this morning at least 16 people are dead. Police say they're looking for Robert Card. He's described as armed and dangerous, a person of interest in this case. We're told he's military trained uh, as a firearms instructor and an Army Reserve member who was recently committed to a mental health facility. These are the images of the gunman inside the bowling alley. And this video we're showing you right now is of people running out of the building as police search the area with flashlights and their guns drawn. Listen to this survivor. He says he was bowling when the gunman came in and opened fire just 15 feet behind him. Just normal night of bowling and out of nowhere, he just came in and there was a loud pop. I thought it was a balloon. I had my back turned to the door. Um, and as soon as I turned and saw it was not a balloon, he was holding a weapon. I just booked it um, down the lane and I slid basically into where the pins are and climbed up in the machine and was on top of the machines for about 10 minutes until the cops got there. So investigators say a vehicle connected to Robert Card was found. It was found near a trailhead and a boat launch in a nearby town. And take a look at this. This is video of a SWAT team with an armored truck and heavily armored officers rushing to the area. Hospitals in the area have been just overwhelmed. Sources tell CNN 50 to 60 people were injured in these shootings. Officers with rifles have been standing guard around the hospital in Lewiston. And ABC News spoke to a little girl and a mother who were at the bowling alley for youth night. She was grazed by a bullet um, while we were running. I never thought I'd grow up and get a bullet in my leg. And it's just like, like, why? Like, why do people do this? And that is the question this morning posed by that little girl. Omar Jimenez is on the ground in Lewiston, Maine, and joins us now. Omar, what more are you learning? Yeah, so right now we are just uh, nearby uh, the Bar and Grill, which is one of two mass shooting sites here. It's just past this police checkpoint behind me. The other being that bowling alley just a few miles from here. But given the, the scale and the speed with which this happened, it's completely shocked this community that couldn't imagine something like this happening uh, in their own backyard. It's why residents across this area are being told to shelter in place and a manhunt is very much active. And as law enforcement say, it is still very much a fluid situation. A manhunt is underway after police say a gunman opened fire at a restaurant and bowling alley in Lewiston, Maine. One witness describes people running from the bowling alley. There was kids. That's like looking back, like that was um, probably the hardest part, seeing just families, families pouring out of there um, and knowing that 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 happened in there while they were just probably trying to have a family night. 
The Lewiston Police Department has named 40-year-old Robert Card a person of interest and warned he's armed and dangerous. We have uh, literally hundreds of police officers working around the state of Maine uh, to investigate this case, to locate Mr. Card, who again is a person of interest and a person of interest only, and we'll continue to gather information. The Androscoggin County Sheriff's Office released several surveillance photos of Card holding a high-powered assault-style rifle and warning those in the Lewiston and other nearby areas to shelter in place. Card is considered armed and dangerous. If people see him, they should not approach Card or make contact with him in any way. Law enforcement officials tell CNN that Card is a certified firearms instructor and a member of the U.S. Army Reserve. The officials say Card suffered with mental health issues, including hearing voices. He also recently made threats to carry out a shooting at a National Guard facility in Maine. Lewiston police, following the shootings, shared this image of a small white SUV found in nearby Lisbon, Maine. The state police confirmed to CNN the image is of the suspect's car. The shootings have shaken this community about 36 miles north of Portland, with Lewiston's mayor saying in a statement, I am heartbroken for our city and our people. The mayor of nearby Auburn, Maine, echoed that state of shock. I mean, at this point, this is a significant amount of shock going on with people that were actually witnesses. Obviously, when I was bringing people in that were looking for their loved ones, there's fear, there's panic. Local officials say hospitals are overwhelmed as they handle a mass casualty event. The two hospitals have called in every off-duty staff member that they could to deal with this. Uh, we are a town of about 39,000. Uh, our uh, hospitals are not geared to handle this kind of uh, uh, shooting event, and uh, they're doing the best we can. Now, Shemengi's Bar and Grill restaurant is where one of the mass shootings happened, and it is past this police checkpoint where we are right now. They have it closed off to, to people, as we can see some investigators with some flashlights are, are still poking around in the area. But like I said earlier, this is still a very much an active situation. Schools are canceled throughout the area as they try to get a handle on things and, of course, figure out why this happened yeah. in the first place. And Omar, obviously you've had a lot of experience covering mass shootings. What makes this one even different is that you've got this gunman on, on the loose. So I just wonder what your experience has been on the ground so far in that community. Well, even as you first get into town, talking to even the few that we have, one, everybody is talking about it and concerned about it. Even when we checked into our hotel, they wouldn't open the doors for us unless we put our ID up against the window wow. of or the window of the glass doors, essentially, to get in. And then even when the clerk came to let us in, he kind of sulked and, and got behind shelter little by little and then poked his head out of the corner and then asked us to see it because he didn't want to expose himself in case we potentially had a weapon, which clearly seemed to be what he was worried about. So, so of course, the manhunt is still very much active, but it also is having an effect on some of the residents here who just want answers specifically where this person could be who law enforcement consider armed and dangerous. Yeah, well, and that response makes sense, right? Because they're being told to shelter in place. Thank you, Omar. We'll get back to you very soon. Scanner audio obtained by CNN captured the chaos that ensued when a shooter opened fire on people at the bowling alley and that restaurant. Want to play part of that exchange for you? What do they got? The shooter um, all of away at the bowling place. Gonna be a male, black hair with a hoodie, look like a rifle. 
The battalion divert our units to Schmengi. Schmengi's right now, another active shooter there. I don't know if any description has been given out for the Schmangies one, but again, a black sweatshirt, male with black sweatshirt last seen headed toward the treatment plant. That's all she could tell me. Seven County got multiple victims. I think multiple victims. I need every unit you can find. Joining us now is CNN Senior Law Enforcement Analyst Andrew McCabe and CNN Senior Law Enforcement Analyst Charles Ramsey. Thank you so much for joining us, guys. Andy, I want to start with you. Based on what we know up to this point, including the person of interest uh, and his background and career, what do you think law enforcement is doing at this moment in the midst of this manhunt? Well, Phil, they are, in, in addition to searching and running down every possible lead they can come up with, attempting to identify and establish perimeters to section off areas that areas of interest where they think you might be. They're also thinking very clearly about protecting themselves because any law enforcement officer who's engaged in this in this search realizes that the ultimate confrontation, which will take place at some point, whether it's an hour from now or five days from now, whatever that ends up being, is going to be an highly charged, incredibly dangerous moment when you have law enforcement uh, facing off essentially with a highly trained, very skilled, heavily armed uh, killer, a person who's just killed uh, at least 16 people that we know of. Um, this is a, you know, you, you can, I can guarantee you that those officers and those agents who are out there doing this work right now are at, at the absolute uh, limit of their um, stress and and perception and intensity right now. Commissioner Ramsey, uh, look, you, you ran the police force in Philadelphia, so I'm wondering what your read is on the fact that the police had a presser last night about 11 p.m. They're not going to have another one, as we understand it, until 10.30 a.m., that seems like a lot of time when you have so many outstanding questions. Can you explain why that would be? Well, I mean, it is a lot of time, but they've also been very careful in terms of the information that they've been releasing. You could actually hear that last night. They wouldn't verify the number of dead, for an example, or anything beyond really his, uh, his ID. Uh, and so I don't know whether or not that is part of it or not. Obviously, they want to only put out facts. There's always a lot of information that's floating around whenever you have something like this. Some of it is misinformation. Mm -hmm. Earlier last night, we were reporting 22 because of a, a city council person. Now they're uh, now it's 16. So there's a lot of information that has to be uh, verified uh, before they can really get before the cameras and provide the public with information. Right now, the best thing for people to do is shelter in place, stay off the street, yeah. give police a call if they hear or see anything at all that is suspicious. You know, to that point, though, Commissioner, this is a community that is locked down at this point in time. Information would seem helpful. I think as Omar was relaying, people are scared with good reason. Is there an investigative reason to keep the details at a minimum at this point? Well, there's always an investigative reason. You never want to put all the information out. I mean, bad guys watch television, too. So there's always some information that you're going to hold close. But this is a situation where you've got people that are really afraid, and rightfully so. And so the more information you can put out, uh, the better off you are. And certainly, you know, uh, waiting until 10 o'clock or so. But we'll find out when they have their press conference Right now, uh, of course, you've got officers that have worked overnight. There's a lot of activity taking place. They've got to be able to find some relief for some of those officers that have been out all night long. 
Uh, they've got areas that they're searching. Uh, certainly, if there's a house, uh, you've got a car now that's been abandoned. They don't know, at least I don't, we don't know whether or not he had a second car available to him. This was a very well-planned event, yeah. it looks like. Uh, so they don't even know if he's still in that immediate area. Uh, at least they're not saying. Andy McCabe, Charles Ramsey, please stay with us. We have a lot more to get to with you. We will continue this breaking news coverage of this urgent manhunt for the gunmen responsible for last night's deadly mass shootings. One of the scenes of the murders was Shemengi's Bar and Grill. That's in Lewiston, Maine. The restaurant posted on their Facebook page overnight. My heart is crushed. I'm at a loss for words. In a split second, your world gets turned upside down for no good reason. We lost great people in this community. How can we make sense of this? Sending out prayers to everyone. Back in a minute. And we are continuing to follow the breaking news of a mass shooting in Maine last night. President Biden was briefed last night on that mass shooting. He's also spoken with Maine's Governor Janet Mills and members of Maine's congressional delegation, including Senators Angus King and Susan Collins. CNN's Priscilla Alvarez is live for us outside the White House. Priscilla, do we know anything from inside the administration in terms of what comes next as this manhunt continues? Well, in those conversations, Phil, the president offered full support uh, to Maine and any federal needs uh, that they may have. But an operation does kick in here at the White House when a mass shooting alert happens. And that includes the White House situa Situation Room, the National Security Council working with Justice Department and law enforcement agencies, along with the Office of Intergovernmental Affairs to track down information and try to understand what is happening on the ground. Oftentimes, it is the Homeland Security Advisor who is advising the president, briefing the president as they learn more, and then advisors keep him updated throughout the day. So that is what we are anticipating today, is that the president will continue to be briefed on what is happening as local law enforcement also tries to wrap their arms around what exactly occurred here. But there is uh, a lot of discussion within the White House and briefings and updates that are occurring minute by minute as local law enforcement tries to understand the situation. And it's notable, Priscilla, this is just about a month after the White House, the Biden administration established this first ever White House office for gun violence. Talk about that in the big picture of any further movement on gun legislation on Capitol Hill. Well, it speaks to the fact that this is an administration that realizes that this is commonplace. Unfortunately, mass shootings have become a reality they have to contend with. And so this includes, for example, this office implementing the president's signature gun legislation, which uh, includes expanded background checks, as well as looking into what other actions the administration can take on this front. Because while the president has called for stricter gun laws, there's a reality that that faces an uphill battle in Congress where there are deep divisions over gun legislation. And so part of this office is also looking at what other executive actions can be taken. The president has already taken two dozen of those. But while we wait for the president's statement today, we can also expect that he will be calling for those stricter gun laws and movement in Congress to make sure this happens and avoid other tragedies like this one. All right, Priscilla Alvarez, thank you. Keep us posted. So a middle school in Auburn, Maine, is one of the reunification centers. After the mass shootings last night, the mayor of Auburn spoke to our Laura Coates overnight about what he was seeing there. Listen. Do you, can you give me a sense of the, of the ages of the people who were present at that bowling alley? Yeah, a sense. Anywhere from probably 12 to 90. And everywhere in between. 
Back with us, CNN senior law enforcement analyst Andy McCabe and senior law enforcement analyst for CNN Charles Ramsey. Andy, let's talk about what we we actually know quite a bit about uh, about this. What authorities are calling a person of interest this morning. We know that he is a certified uh, arms uh, instructor. We know that he is a member of the U.S. Army Reserves. We also know that he was committed for about two weeks at a mental health facility just about a year ago. With all that information, how does that guide this hunt for him? Well, you know, I think I think all those facts, Poppy, put together, uh, these are things that the folks who are directing this search, as well as the folks who are conducting this search, the uh, law enforcement officers and agents on the ground doing it, they're thinking about each one of these factors um, as they're out there looking for this person. You know, knowing that he has recently gone through, I say recently, it sounds like it was probably in the last few months or sometime this summer that he spent time at a facility. But in any case, recently gone through a period of uh, mental instability, a time when he made threats to the base that he is uh, in Saco, Maine, where he's uh, assigned as a reservist. Um, you know, you you realize that the person who you're looking for is highly skilled, highly trained, lots of experience, and also potentially in the middle of a mental health crisis in which they are not logical or imbalanced or, or um, not able to really make uh, competent or, or effective or rational decisions if confronted. So all these things just take an incredibly charged and dangerous situation and make it uh, that much tougher to deal with. And Andy, just to follow on that, I mean, I think everyone listening to your answer is going to say, well, what about a red flag law? Does Maine have a red flag law that would allow family or a judge to say this person should have a firearm? Charles Ramsey, you're shaking your head. They don't. They have something called a yellow flag law, and that requires uh, a medical official a doctor to sign off on taking their firearm away. Can you speak to that, Commissioner? Well, Maine doesn't have very strong gun laws right now. And certainly a red flag law, and you're always kind of guessing whether or not that would have made a difference or not. But certainly having something uh, like that in place would have at least made it more likely that they could have taken some kind of action. Uh, earlier, I was listening to one of the uh, programs and they mentioned, you know, what law enforcement could do. Well, there's very little that law enforcement can do without the proper laws being in place. And so all this stuff has to be evaluated at some point in time. Hopefully their state legislator, uh, le- legislature will do that, uh, although I'm not optimistic that there'll be any real changes in the gun laws. But it just shows that once again, that guns, especially very dangerous guns, fall into the hands of very dangerous people. And this is just one more example of that that we're dealing with now. All right, Andrew McCabe, Charles Ramsey, stay with us. Much more to get to throughout the hour. And right now, police are urgently searching for the gunman responsible for the deadly mass shootings in Maine last night. We've got much more of our breaking coverage ahead. Also in Israel, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu telling Israelis in a televised address that a ground incursion into Gaza is coming soon. He did not say when. We're live in Israel next. More CNN This Morning to come after the break. This podcast is supported by Sleep Number. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number smart bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores? Sleep Number does that. Only Sleep Number smart beds let you each choose your ideal comfort and support. 
your sleep number setting. Sleep Number smart beds learn how you sleep and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. All Sleep Number smart beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. Temperature-balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, CNN's chief medical correspondent. This week on Chasing Life. I'm a health reporter and have been for 15 years. And even I feel overwhelmed by some of the things I read about the stuff we're eating. My colleague Meg Terrell wanted to take a deep dive into something you've probably heard a lot about recently. Ultra processed foods. There is a lot to learn there, some fascinating stuff. And some of it is probably going to change the way you shop. Listen to Chasing Life wherever you get your podcasts. Back to the breaking news this morning. An urgent manhunt is underway right now for the gunmen behind multiple mass shootings in Maine overnight. Here is what we know right now. The exact number killed. Unclear law enforcement is telling CNN at least 16 people are dead. Dozens more injured in Lewiston, Maine. The shootings happened at two separate locations, a bowling alley and a restaurant. Police have identified 40-year-old Robert Card as a person of interest. They say he's on the run and should be considered armed and dangerous. Here's what else we know about Card. He is a certified firearms instructor and a member of the U.S. Army Reserve. Officials say Card had recently made threats to carry out a shooting at a National Guard facility in Maine. He also has reported mental health issues, including hearing voices. Maine officials say hundreds of police officers are now working across the state to locate Card. People who live in and around Lewiston are being told to shelter in place. Lewiston public schools in nearby districts have canceled classes today. Anyone with information on the shooting or Robert Card's whereabouts has been urged to contact law enforcement. So a reporter from our local affiliate WMTW is outside the hospital where those shooting victims were taken. We've seen a lot of law enforcement here at CMMC. We've seen some of them, frankly, almost patrolling the the premises of this area with their assault-style weapons, almost as if they're guarding the White House or another government building. We've seen that law, those law enforcement officers transport people in and out of the hospital, nurses that are leaving, and even some families that we've seen coming in and looking distressed. And we've seen some of them waiting in the waiting room, in the emergency room, uh, certainly an incredibly long night for them. We've spoken to nurses here who have worked in the operating room throughout the night, and really just the looks that they've given us uh, have told the story. Our thanks to him. We also have our teams on the ground in Maine right now. They'll have updates for us throughout the morning. We're also following another major story this morning. Earlier this morning, smoke billowing over Gaza after an airstrike as seen from Storot, Israel. Israel says they conducted a targeted raid with tanks inside northern Gaza before withdrawing. You can see in this video published by the IDF armored vehicles, including a bulldozer, which Israel says is part of the preparations for the next stage of combat. And these new satellite images show significant destruction across Gaza. On the left, an image from October 10th. On the right, just 11 days later. You can see how much is flattened there. This all comes as Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu spoke yesterday about his plans for a ground incursion. Here's what he said. We are raining down hellfire on Hamas. We have already eliminated thousands of terrorists. 
And this is only the beginning. At the same time, we are preparing for a ground incursion. I will not detail when, how, or how many, or the overall consideration that we are taking into account, most of which are unknown to the public. And this is how it needs to be in order to safeguard the lives of our soldiers. Aaron Burnett joins us from Jerusalem. Aaron, there was a big uh, set of movements on the ground overnight, and I'm wondering how significant that was, especially in the context of what we just heard the prime minister say. Very significant, Poppy. And in fact, in this war, the most significant assault on Gaza thus far. In fact, it may be the most significant ground assault by Israel on Gaza in the past decade. So uh, it does show very much a move to the next stage. Uh, the forces went in. They did come out after conducting their operations. They said they killed numerous terrorists. They did not give an exact number. Also, uh, anti-tank uh, searching, anti-tank mine searching, I'm sorry, as they went through that rubble in northern Gaza. But this is the first time in in a significant way. Could be the biggest in a decade. We do know special forces, obviously, have been in Gaza, uh, but this is a significant shift uh, overnight. And uh, the, the reality of it is, of course, when you look at those images before and after, it has been reduced to rubble. We've compared it to what even you see in a place like Bakhmut. Uh, but the reality of it is, is the, the pre and post, you can see already what Israel has accomplished in its war. Uh, as it sees it through these strikes, thousands of strikes just over these past three weeks that we have been covering uh, this war. And they did release that video. Of course, we should emphasize when you get a view of the front line here, that video is coming from the IDF. They have not provided the access for journalists to actually see that and witness that ourselves. Phil and Poppy. Aaron, the, the split screen of uh, that you're looking at right now of the, the two different timelines for Gaza underscores the acute nature of the debate, the ongoing intensive debate related to humanitarian aid. The U.N. said it's almost run out of fuel. It's scaling back humanitarian operations. What's the latest as efforts to try and expand it seem to continue to run in roadblocks? Use the word acute, and I think that's the right word. The U.N. had said that they could run out of uh, all necessary supplies for any humanitarian assistance overnight. Uh, we are now obviously in the early afternoon here in Israel. They say that they are now rationing uh, fuel, uh, that, that that is giving them a bit more of time, uh, but that they are rationing. That means obviously a, a lot of people are not getting what they need. Hospitals have already been shut down, many of them, from being able to provide essential services. The U.N. uses the word paralyzed to describe uh, the situation that they're facing on the ground. I was talking to a pediatrician an American, uh, the exhaustion in her voice. She said one toilet for 800 people. And it, just that image, of course, uh, is, is hard to describe. You can imagine the lines. You can imagine what that means. You can imagine the disease. And that is what an American pediatrician is experiencing along that Rafa border crossing. It is obviously significantly worse in the north. And the Israeli airstrikes, as you know, while they have decimated the north, also strike areas in Khan Yunus and closer to Rafa uh, in the Israeli airstrikes. Hours-long bread lines and the humanitarian crisis is dire here. They are rationing fuel, as we understand at this moment. Phil and Poppy. All right. Aaron Burnett with the latest from Jerusalem. We'll be back with you shortly. Thank you very much. Well, in just a few hours, continuing on the breaking news, police will hold a news conference with more details on that deadly shooting in Lewiston, Maine. The person of interest is at large. What we know just ahead. Also, the shelter in place now expanding to a neighboring town. What we know about that. We are continuing to follow the breaking news this morning out of Maine. Right now, police are urgently searching for the mass shooter. Sources tell CNN at least 16 people were killed. Many more wounded. Officials say Robert Card is the person of interest and that he should be considered armed and dangerous. Here with all the details we know this morning, 
our national correspondent, Athena Jones. Good morning. This is him. This is him. We should learn more details at a 1030 press conference that officials are having at Lewiston City Hall. But we know right now Robert Card is a person of interest police have identified, described as a certified arms instructor and a member of the U.S. Army Reserves. Law enforcement officials say he has also in recent months been reporting mental health issues, including hearing voices and making threats to shoot up a National Guard facility in Saco, Maine. That's about 50 miles to the south of Lewiston, uh, Maine, where the, these shootings took place overnight. Uh, unclear where he is. Here, here we are. Here are the two, the two locations of the shootings. This is Spare Time Recreation is a bowling alley. You can see a picture of the person of interest entering with a long gun, a high-powered uh, assault-style rifle. And then it was about seven, eight miles away that the, uh, the person of interest car, Card's car, this white SUV was found in the town of Lisbon. Now, Lewiston and Lisbon remain under a shelter-in-place order, of course, because authorities do not know where a Card is. That we're talking about southern Maine, and these are relatively small towns. We spoke uh, last night with the mayor of Auburn, which is about yeah. two miles, a neighboring town of Lewiston. He said the combined area is about 60,000, so not a lot of people. Uh, but, of course, we know at this, uh, at this location, the first location, we heard from witnesses that there were people of all ages. We saw video of people fleeing uh, that bowling alley. Uh, but we can also see just from the borders here, it's been many, many hours since this began to unfold last night around 7 p.m. This is one of the photos that the police began putting out within about an hour of the reports coming in to, in order to get the, the, the public's help in identifying uh, this, this uh, person of interest. But of course, he could be very far away from mm -hmm. Lewiston, Maine at this point. And so you have hundreds of people now, hundreds of officers now looking for him. This is adding to the long list of mass shootings already in the U.S. this year, 565. And it ranks as one of the deadliest or the deadliest so far this year. Of course, this death toll may change. Uh, it already has adjusted a bit overnight, but 16 killed, 50 to 60 wounded is the latest number we have from various law enforcement officials. Of course, we don't know how those people were wounded. Were they shot? Were they injured while trying to run away yeah. from the scene? So clearly not a problem that, that this, it's a problem the U.S. is used to, uh, but uh, it's not a good a good thing to become familiar with. Yet again, another uh, another mass shooting and another manhunt for a very dangerous yeah. uh, person of interest. Armed with that assault-style rifle. Athena, thank you for all the reporting. Phil. Joining us now from Lewiston, Maine, the executive editor of The Sun Journal, Judy Meyer. Judy, we appreciate your time. Just a few moments ago on Facebook, the Maine State Police said they were expanding the shelter-in-place order. Uh, they said they have 100 investigators, both local and federal, working to locate the person of interest, Robert Card. Um, do we know any more right now? One of the issues I think we've had is that there just hasn't been a ton of information coming from the authorities. What are, what are, what are your teams hearing? There really hasn't been a lot of information coming from authorities. The press conference last night was very brief. They have another one scheduled at 1030 this morning, but they are really holding information close to the vest. Um, you know, who knows, maybe he's listening and that could be why. But um, we have learned this morning that seven of the deceased were at the bowling alley. And if the 16 number uh, holds firm, that would leave the other nine at, at the Schmengi's Bar and Grill. Uh, that's a detail, um, Judy, that we have not uh, been able to report. Can I just ask where you learned that from? Uh, it was shared with us by the Androscoggin County Sheriff. Okay, that's helpful. Thank you very much. Can you talk mm -hmm. about the community right now? I mean, the scale of the lockdown, the manhunt that's underway, uh, paired with... Uh, the unspeakable trauma of a mass shooting like this. What's the response been like? 
Well, obviously, people are very scared. Lewis is a city of some 36,000 people, uh, hardworking, kind-hearted people. Uh, the lockdown was really extreme last night, and people were very good about observing it. There is a lot of traffic and a lot of pedestrian traffic out there this morning. So I think people are feeling, knowing police are looking for a card in Lisbon or perhaps Bowdoin, that it's safe to be on the streets in Lewiston. But the lockdown mm. does continue here in Lewiston and Auburn and now in Bowdoin. One thing that was so striking to hear from the mayor of Auburn on CNN last night was he described the silence from eyewitnesses of the shooting as being very, very telling. How shocked they were and yes. how silent they were. What, what have you heard? We've heard the same thing. And it's, it's, I, I think it's just the human reaction of not being able to put into words what you've seen and what you've experienced. Um, and I, you know, the heartache and the tears will come certainly, but it was unnervingly quiet last night. We've also heard that hospitals, just in terms of the scale of those injured, uh, were having a difficult time last night. Is there any update on ter in terms of where they are in terms of resources? Well, they were having a difficult time. And I know a lot of the patients were uh, medevaced directly to Boston. Um, you know, there was a lot of air traffic last night between the airport and Mass General and Lewiston uh, Central Maine Medical Center. But, you know, looking in the ED entrance last night, you could see the stretchers lined up. The medical personnel were all there waiting and ready. Um, so everybody is, you know, devoted to, to doing the work. But the, the hospitals here in Maine are, are not gigantic medical centers. They're community hospitals, and they definitely were overwhelmed. You know, every uh, parent has to tell their child this morning why they're not going to school. And we also heard uh, from a young girl who, with her mom, speaking to ABC News, who was grazed by a bullet. There were young kids at that bowling alley. It was, it was youth night. Do you have any information on how children are doing? Uh, I, I don't. I do know that the school systems here are in emergency planning mode to help children. Uh, you know, I, I would be surprised if school was even open tomorrow. So this may come next week. But um, the school administrators are working on plans to help children understand what cannot be understood, frankly. Um, and it is it's really difficult. It's going to be difficult for these kids to go through, especially the kids who were in the bowling alley with their friends. Judy, for those who aren't familiar with the area or Maine, as investigators and law enforcement try and find uh, this person of interest, can you talk about the, the, the space itself, the, the terrain, the area, kind of the, the difficulties that may present? Uh, you know, Maine's a largely rural state. Uh, the last we heard that they were looking in the Lisbon, Lisbon Falls area, it's more of a community area, residential, not a lot of uh, businesses there. So it's a lot of, you know, long, narrow rural roads filled with, with homes uh, where people are now, you know, behind locked doors. Um, there, But there are, frankly, a lot of places to hide. It's very wooded. Um, so... You know, it's I don't envy the police the job they have here. It's not easy. Judy Meyer, thank you for joining us this morning. Obviously, all our hearts with all of you right now as you go through this. Thanks for all the helpful information. Thank you very much. Well, as Judy was noting at 1030, police will hold a news conference with more details in the shooting in Lewiston, Maine, as they urgently look for the gunman, the person of interest who's still at large. The area is still on lockdown. We're going to get a live report from the bowling alley, one of the two locations 
where the shooting occurred, shootings occurred, and a mass shooting in the U.S. in a state where laws and gun violence are very different from the rest of the country. What we know, that's next. Right, this new information just into CNN, we have learned that the shelter-in-place advisory has just been expanded to the neighboring town of Bowdoin. Schools all across that area closed today as an urgent manhunt continues for the gunman behind multiple mass shootings last night in Lewiston, Maine. We are expecting a press conference from the authorities at 10.30 a.m. Eastern time. CNN affiliate reporter for WHDH, Rob Way, is outside of the bowling alley and joins us now. Rob, what can you tell us? Poppy, as you can imagine, this community is on edge on one side of the coin, but also mourning on the other after such a tragic event. We are learning that the shooter went to two different businesses, a restaurant down the street from here and the bowling alley. And I just want to give you a sense of the scene. It seems pretty quiet, but this is the distance, about a quarter mile back from the bowling alley that police are keeping us because that is where the focus of their investigation is further down the road there. And since we've been here, we've been here all night. A number of police cars and an evidence response team has arrived. This is also along the busiest road in town, which police officers say is normally very busy at this hour, but many are heeding the shelter in place warning here in Lewiston. The search, of course, on for 40-year-old Robert Card. He's been identified as a person of interest in this case. He should be considered armed and dangerous. All of this started to unfold around 7 last night when the gunman opened fire inside those two businesses. I talked with one woman this morning who lives nearby. She says she is shocked, describing this as a safe city where everyone knows everyone. At this hour, hundreds of police officers are now combing through the local towns trying to find this suspect. And one thing I want to point out of no of just how large this response is. As, as we were driving from Boston last night, where our station is based, up here into Maine, passing us were cruisers, police cruisers, from communities all across New England, of course, coming to help aid in that search and aid all the victims that need transportation and anything that these local police stations need. So, of course, we've seen that massive response, and now the hope is that they'll catch the suspect very soon. Live here in Maine, I'm Rob Way. Rob, thank you very much. Bill. Well, as we continue to follow the latest in the manhunt for the shooter responsible for the killing of at least 16 people in Lewiston, Maine, let's go ahead and take a look at the gun laws in the state. It is a state that does not have the most restrictive gun laws, not even close, but it's also a state that has a very different profile than perhaps some others. Gun ownership in the state at about 45 percent, that's about 8 to 10 percent higher than the national average. However, violent crime uh, 103 per 100,000 people. That's actually the lowest in the nation, according to the most uh, recent numbers. 29 homicides in 2022. It is a state where gun ownership is higher than average. Violent crime is lower than average. Uh, and that has led in part to why the gun laws in the state, despite some efforts in the state legislature, have not grown significantly more restrictive over the years as mass shootings have been as pervasive as they have been. As it currently stands on the state level, no assault weapons ban, no background checks for private sales. It is a permitless concealed carry state. And while it does not have a red flag law, it does have what ended up being kind of a compromise provision of a yellow flag law. Now, the details there are important, particularly given what we know about the person of interest in this case. Where the yellow flag law differs from a red flag law, this quotes directly from a summary of it in the law. A medical practitioner shall notify in writing the law enforcement officer or law enforcement agency 
that based on an assessment, uh, there's a likelihood for foreseeable harm. It also requires a sworn, a sworn testimony by a law enforcement officer. So a few more steps than in traditional ERPOs or red flag laws that we've seen become more prominent in the course of the last several years. But again, as this debate, which almost seems inevitable since we have so many of these, uh, will certainly come in the days and weeks ahead, the difference between high gun ownership and low violent crime as a state will now have to grapple with yet another mass shooting. Poppy? Bill, that's fascinating looking at the statistics of gun ownership and yet violent crime there. Thank you very much. In just a few hours, police will hold a news conference. They will update the public on the mass shootings in Maine. We are told 16 people, at least 16 people were killed. A manhunt is underway for a person of interest. Ahead, we're gonna speak with the mayor of a nearby town where residents are currently sheltering in place. Stay with us. More CNN This Morning to come after the break. The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish. Celebrities of all kinds are speaking publicly about their therapeutic trips, so to speak. It turns out there is a burgeoning industry ready to serve the new influx of people who find themselves turning away from traditional mental health therapy. The gap between what we know and what we don't about psychedelic therapy. Listen to The Assignment with me, Audie Cornish, on your favorite podcast app. Let's go straight to Shimon Porcupine. He joins us in Lisbon, Maine, where, Shimon, I understand police are there. You're seeing them doing these searches right now. Yeah, so we're in Lisbon, just a few minutes from where the person of interest dumped his car and where police have been searching through the, through the night. And now that we have some day, daylight, we're starting to see some of these law enforcement officials going through these homes the wooded area. We were just driving through here and we spotted these cars here. And so we came through here and what we've been seeing, uh, Bob, as you can see over here, you see one police officer here. You could see another officer. They are going through some homes here. Uh, and this is where they were meeting up here. Several of these officers, they were pointing their guns. They were going through uh, the woods here, looking through this area. They were checking a home there. Uh, to see if perhaps maybe this person of interest uh, is there. They are now coming out from this area. This is one of the more active searches that we've seen. I mean, we've been here uh, since around 6 a.m. or so we got here. But this is the first time that we're actually seeing uh, officers going through this area, going home by home, looking uh, through the woods. What's happening here is that the police tell us that they are getting calls from people in the area, this entire neighborhood is kind of on lockdown. There's a shelter in place. And so neighbors, people who live in these homes are hearing uh, things in their yards and they are getting concerned. And so they are dialing 911 and then the officers are responding. But what's significant about this is that this is the first time uh, that we're actually seeing. How are you guys? Thank you. Uh, the first time that we're seeing the officers out here like this searching uh, and so now they will go to a, another location, I believe. And I think the officer wants you? to tell me something. How are you? Right, McGee. How are you doing? Please. All right, thanks. How did, what happened? Did you get a call for something? Is that why you guys came we here? Yeah. You got a call. We had calls all night long. We got a great community. They, they call at the same time. They hear something, which is great. That's what we want them doing right now. Reaching out, calling us, anything suspicious, making sure everybody stays indoors. Um, when you guys are driving around and whatnot, um, I'd stay up near your vehicles. If I see you, I will stop and talk to you. Sure. But 
What is the reaction from people in the neighborhood uh, with this man being on the loose here? I can't comment on any of that right now. I will say that state police, I'm sure, will be doing a news briefing. I think I heard 1030 uh, in Lewiston. I think they'll be able to get more information at that time. How long have you been out here searching now? Uh, since the incident started in Lewiston, I called my entire department in. And we closed down our businesses just as a precaution. What's your What's your name, sir? I didn't get it. It's uh, Ryan McGee. Are you yeah. one of the boss? Are you one of the supervisors? I'm or? the chief of police for Lewiston. You're the chief of police. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So, so for you, certainly as the chief, this is something something you've never experienced before. I assume. <laughs> no. I've, unfortunately, for you. Uh, I can't comment on on the, everything right now. Tell me. So. How, how many officers are involved in the search at this point? There's a lot of officers involved with the search. I mean, I don't want to give anything away. I can say my whole department's involved. And every how many department officers is that? In this area, say every department. I've seen departments across the entire state of Maine have responded. So we want to uh, locate the individual and make sure our community's kept safe. So biggest thing I can say is, you know, make sure that if the community sees anything, stay inside, don't approach, call the police department, just like we just did here, just here. Someone heard something, they called. It's the right thing to do. I'd rather turn out to be a deer than, uh, you know, the, this person. But we want to locate him. So. Where, do you, where, where do you think he is and what area possibly could he be I can't calm around any of that right now. But you can see from the barricades, it gives you a pretty good indication. So. And how many calls have you had so far tonight, would you say? Dozens? Uh, we've had a lot. A lot. A lot, yeah. A lot, a lot of calls. And, so. and have you? Do, do you know if the if the person of interest, if he knows this area, is there any I indication? I can't comment on any of that right okay. now. We we have a lot of intel, and we're just working, you know, in conjunction with our state and federal partners. Everybody's involved. We're just trying to keep the community safe. Obviously, it's a very tragic incident that happened, and we're doing our job to the best abilities to to locate this suspect. So, how confident are you that you'll get him? I would say that we're going to not stop until we locate them. So you don't have to worry about that. Okay. All right. Thank you, sir, right. so much. I appreciate it. I would recommend, though, uh, just for your, your own safety, just stay near your vehicles. Um, it's, the, it's the best thing I can say for you because you don't have anything that says police on you. There's a lot of people in town. You know, the last thing we need is somebody walking by a house and getting scared of one of you in their front yard and, inadvertently calling us when it's, when it's just you guys. Sure. I know you guys have a job to do, and I completely respect that. Yeah, you ask any of the local news stations, they know me by first name, and we have a great rapport. Right. So, like I said, if we're on a scene, I'll come by, I'll talk to you briefly, I'll give you anything that I can give okay. you, but unfortunately, we can't release All right. Thank you, Chief. I appreciate you stopping right. to let So, my name is Shimon. We're, we're with CNN. All right. You guys All right. Okay, All right. thank you, sir. So, Phil and Poppy, this has sort of been the story here all night, that they're getting phone calls, people are hearing things, and they're dialing 911, and the officers are responding. So it's a pretty tense situation out here, certainly people on edge. Uh, you know, we've been here for about an hour, hour and a half now. Um, we've not seen many people outside. We're seeing cars, people driving cars like it would be any other morning. You see uh, this woman here walking uh, her, her dogs, um, the police just leaving, so perhaps she feels a level uh, of safety knowing that the police were just here. But it's certainly going to progressively, I think as this day goes, it's going to get more tense. As daylight comes, more officers will be arriving here. And certainly we expect that the searching uh, here will certainly escalate as the day goes on.
Shimon, can I ask, first of all, it was remarkable. We haven't had a lot of information coming out since the last press conference several no. hours ago. And then the next press conference, I think, is, as you noted, was scheduled for, for 1030. But while he couldn't comment on much, and we appreciate right. the chief taking the time to talk to you, he did say they feel like they have a lot of intelligence. Do you have any sense of what that meant? Yeah, so I think they know a lot about him because they've identified him. They know his history. Perhaps maybe there is some information that... Uh, he knows this area. Um, obviously, there's a lot they're not telling us. I mean, it's pretty, um, you know, a lot of people have questions because this is what happened, you know, 7 o'clock uh, last night. Uh, we're now almost, what, 12 hours or so into the, after this happened, and we still haven't heard anything uh, from law enforcement, and we won't hear anything at least until 1030 uh, in a couple of hours. So it is pretty concerning for people here that they're not hearing more information. They're just being told to stay in their homes. And really, it's the first time that we've heard from any person uh, in law enforcement uh, to provide any kind of information. And honestly, Phil, like we just stumbled on this. You know, we what happened is we when we first got here, we weren't seeing a lot of police activity. So we just decided that we're going to start driving around and seeing for ourselves, you know, what's going on? Because we've kept hearing there's this massive manhunt here. And this is the first time uh, that we stumbled upon, but that we came upon any searching. Uh, and so that's why we stopped here. And luckily we got the chief here uh, and he was willing to talk to us a little bit. But you can tell that the law enforcement here is certainly on edge. You know, there are checkpoints. There are other areas here where there are law enforcement officials that are parked. There's a high school nearby where there are SWAT team members just hanging out, waiting to deploy uh, should they be needed. Um, but really just seeing this activity just now, it was the first time uh, we've seen anything like that here. Uh, and this has been going on apparently all night. You know, the yeah. neighbors here, the folks who live here are calling 911, they're hearing things and the police are responding. And then you see what they do here. They start searching. Uh, and so far, clearly that they've not had, had any, uh, any luck. All right, Shimon, uh, first off, great reporting. You didn't stumble onto that. You worked your way toward that. It's the most information we've gotten uh, over the course of the last several hours. Stay with us. We'll definitely be coming back to you shortly. And if you are just joining us, it's just past the top of the hour. Let's get you caught up on the breaking news. Right now, as you've been watching, a manhunt is very much underway in Maine after mass shootings at a bowling alley and a bar and grill in Lewiston. Law enforcement sources tell CNN at least 16 people are dead. And police are looking for a man named Robert Card. You see him on your screen. He is described as armed and dangerous and a person of interest. We are told he is a military-trained firearms instructor, also a member of the Army Reserve, who was also recently committed to a mental health facility. These are images of that gunman inside the bowling alley. And this, what we're about to show you, is video of people running out of the building as police search the area with flashlights and their guns drawn. And we're now hearing survivors who were inside that bowling alley, including a man who says he was just 15 feet away from the gunman. ABC News spoke to a little girl and her mother who were there for a youth night. She was grazed by a bullet. Um, while we were running. I never thought I'd grow up and get a bullet in my leg. And it's just like, like, why? Like, why do people do this? Out of nowhere, he just came in and there was a loud pop. Thought it was a balloon. I had my back turned to the door. Um, and as soon as I turned and saw that it was not a balloon, he was holding a weapon. I just booked it um, down the lane and I slid basically into where the pins are and climbed up in the machine. 
This morning, investigators say a vehicle connected to Robert Card was found near a trailhead in a boat launch in a nearby town. This is video of a SWAT team with an armored truck, heavily armed officers rushing to that area. The hospitals in the area have just been overwhelmed because in addition to that, at least 16 dead, we are told 50 to 60 people were injured in the shootings. Officers with rifles, you see them there, they've been guarding the hospital in Lewiston all night. A city councilor from the neighboring city says his son is the manager at the barn grill where the shooting happened and he hasn't heard from him since. If you had my gut right now, I feel like I'm squashed with a vice. My neck and the back of my head feels like there's a vice squashing it the other way. And I don't know, telling you the truth, what kind of night this is going to be from now until tomorrow when, when I wake up to the true facts that my son is dead and I know he's dead. I know it as well as I know I'm standing here telling you because he's not here and he's not at any other hospital and he's not running the streets. So he would have called us because he manages Shemingi's. So I know he was there. It's an unthinkable reality so many families are dealing with this morning. Omar Jimenez is live on the ground for us in Lewiston, Maine. Omar, we've been hearing from some of the survivors, from family members. What more are we learning about the manhunt and the investigation underway? Well, the manhunt is very much a fluid situation right now, as we just heard from Shimon a few minutes ago, that law enforcement are out and about trying to figure out and, and hone in on where this person may be. Because the reality is for people in these communities, they are waking up unsure about the safety of going outside in this community. To give you an idea of where we are, we are nearby one of the mass shooting locations. Uh, the bowling alley is just a few miles from here. We are outside the bar and grill uh, where we just heard um, that they were looking for someone who was working there at the time. You can see it over my shoulder. Police have this entire block blocked off uh, as they work through some of their investigators. We can see them on scene, but you see the sign of where this particular bar and grill is. It's been relatively quiet along this stretch. Some people asking questions about whether they can go through and about what's going on and things like that. But at the very least, we know that a good portion of this area has been recommended to have sh to shelter in place while police try to hone in on where this person may be. I can tell you, uh, when we first got to our hotel a little bit earlier this morning, the clerk wouldn't let us through the door unless we showed our ID through the glass doors. And then even still, he only looked at it while peeking out behind the wall. And that was because, look, it's the middle of the night. He's been told to shelter in place. He wasn't sure who we were coming to the doors and whether we might have a, a potential firearm or could be dangerous. He had been following what had been going on, of course, in the news, this manhunt where we know over a dozen have been killed, at least as we have been told, but also many more injured. Hospitals trying to field a huge influx of patients that come in at the last minute and all at once, essentially. Schools have been canceled over the course of today out of safety concerns, just trying to make sure that they, if you don't have to be out, they don't want you to be out to, of course, let law enforcement do what they need to do. A reunification center is also also open at a nearby middle school just to try and get people together because as we heard from some people it's been kind of chaotic trying to locate some people who may have been rushed to the hospital at the last minute so can't emphasize enough what law enforcement has said it is a very fluid situation across all aspects right now but for right now these investigators are still going through this scene likely the same at the bowling alley to see what clues they can get there because, of course, there's an investigation there on top of trying to get the top priority of getting this person under arrest.
Right, Omar Jimenez, thank you. There are hundreds of law enforcement officers searching for a person of interest in that deadly mass shooting. You heard from Omar in Lewiston. Shimon Prokopez is with us in Lisbon. We have much more of that breaking news coverage ahead. Also this morning, smoke billowing over northern Gaza as Israel launches more airstrikes. We'll take you live to the ground in Israel. More CNN This Morning to come after the break. I'm just overwhelmed. I've been here trying to spread, you know, some kind of comfort, some kind of support. But this is an overwhelming situation. I don't think we've ever had anything like this. My insides are just really sick over this. There was a girl down there with five people all got shot up. And they brought in somebody in a vehicle that was shot right from the pickup. Took him right in the hospital. An overwhelming situation, a shaken community. We are still following the breaking news as a widespread and very urgent manhunt is underway in Maine after a mass shooter opened fire at two locations in the town of Lewiston. CNN's Evan Perez joins us live from Washington, D.C. Evan, what do we know about the investigation, given the fact this is both a federal, state and local effort at this point? Yeah, Phil, look, I mean, the federal agents are now have flooded the zone there in Maine. What we know is that the FBI, uh, the ATF, uh, Homeland Security Department, everybody has sent uh, personnel up to Lewiston to try to assist in this search for this person of interest. Now, one of the things we've heard uh, already is the FBI has got dozens of people uh, sent up from the, the field office in Boston. What they are doing is assisting with some of the evidence collection. Obviously, this is a, a Lewiston is a small town. Uh, it's not a, a very large police department. And so the one of the things that they're doing is assisting with the collection of evidence there at the two shooting scenes, uh, both the bowling alley and the uh, Shemengi's restaurant, which is nearby. Now, according to uh, to law enforcement, what they're doing is, you know, they're, they're not only assisting with, uh, with evidence collection, but they're also uh, having people who do vi victims assistance. These are people who are going to be reaching out to some of the victims to try to help them uh, not only uh, cope with what they, what they witnessed, but also to try to get some information that could be used as part of this investigation. One of the big questions at this point is why this gunman, Robert Card, uh, or this uh, this uh, person of interest uh, who uh, has been identified as Robert Card, uh, why this person went into these two scenes and 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 carried out this this shootings so again uh, at this point. They're still trying to figure out where he is. Uh, part of this is exploiting uh, perhaps phone uh, signals to see uh, where he last was to try to, again, figure out wh what happened here before uh, he went to these two scenes. Again, that's what, uh, according to the, uh, the, the police at the scene there, they say the, these two scenes happened just before 7 p.m. last night. Now, uh, we're going to hear more from uh, authorities uh, at 10.30 this morning, but already we know uh, the reason why why they're looking for Robert Card is, again, he knows this area. This is a person who uh, is, again, a person of interest in these two shootings. Uh, they say he is a uh, certified far firearms in instructor, an army uh, reservist, somebody who knows his way with guns, obviously. And police say that he is uh, believed to be armed and dangerous. Uh, one reason why they have that shelter in place for uh, those communities there in Maine. Phil and Poppy? Evan Paris, thank you for all that information. We'll get back to you soon. With us now is Glenn Norland. He is a retired FBI special agent, former U.S. Air Force officer, also an expert on active shooter incidents and works with the Active Shooter Prevention Project. 
Really appreciate your time, Glenn, this morning. From all we just heard from our colleagues, Shimon and also Evan, what what strikes you, including the fact that he didn't, this person of interest, conceal his identity at all? Well, good morning, first of all, and sorry to be talking about such a horrible situation. But but you're absolutely correct. You know, people that are in these type of situations who get to a point where they're going to pick up a firearm and just indiscriminately hurt people, they're not really ready. They're not really prepared or concerned about concealing their identity. You think you try to get inside the mind of the people that do these horrible type of things and they get to a point where they're just, they're committed to what they believe is the thing that they need to do. And and whether they're found out who they are, they understand that that's going to happen at some point. They understand there's going to be an end to the situation. Um, however, that's going to happen, whether it's brought upon by law enforcement or brought upon themselves. So that's it's not really a surprise that he's not interested in concealing his identity. Oftentimes, people that do these things want other people to know that they were the person that did this. So people like us try to figure out why they did it. How does the profile, Glenn, that, that he's a certified firearms instructor, uh, he's a member of the U.S. Army Reserve, uh, how does that add uh, complexity or difficulty for law enforcement in this moment? Well, of course, it's it, the situation right now is an, an extraordinarily dangerous situation for law enforcement and for the public at large as well right now. You have somebody that, that's familiar with firearms, that's demonstrated skill in the application of, of that firearm. You've observe somebody that has no restriction in their mind about hurting, killing other people. And right now we don't know as that person in in a single location, is that person continuing to move? So that's, that's why, as you heard the chief talking earlier about intelligence and things like that, that's where we try to, on the law enforcement side, try to use all that information to try and figure out where they are, how we can get that person into custody without any additional harm. But but the fact that he's got that background that is uh, just makes that extraordinarily dangerous situation even that more dangerous for law enforcement. And the terrain, Glenn, also makes it incredibly complex, right? They found a car tied to him at the you know bottom of a trailhead and also near uh, an area where boats can leave from. Yeah, certainly, certainly you have a whole variety of ways to be transported out of that area. You have wooded areas, you have residential neighborhoods, things like that. So this is where it's important as we talk to people about situational awareness and things like that, identifying those things that are outside of the normal. This this situation makes me think back to the Boston bomber where you found, of course, um, them in the boat. So you have all sorts of places like this. Yeah, in someone's backyard. And if you're not familiar with your surroundings, you know, I'm going to say this is this is an area where not necessarily everybody's going to normally lock their doors. Right. This is somewhere where you're not expecting to have that. And you've heard some of those conversations, some of those statements made by people. Hey, I never thought it would happen here. Unfortunately, in this day and age, we hear that continuously all the time. And that's why really from the active shooter prevention project standpoint, we try to focus on people having that recognition that these things do happen anywhere and everywhere, and all of us need to have a plan. All of us need to have that immediate recognition that if you hear those sounds, don't make the assumption that it's not something bad that's happening. And the immediate reaction is what we need to try and encourage to help people. Yeah, and an incredibly important point given how many people are currently on lockdown. Glenn Norling, we appreciate your expertise as always. Thank you. 
Thank you. So right now, police are searching for that person of interest, Robert Card, in this deadly series of mass shootings in Maine overnight. More coverage of our breaking news straight ahead. Also in Israel, Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu telling Israelis at a televised address that a ground incursion into Gaza is coming soon. He did not say when. We're going to be live in Israel. Stay with us. An urgent manhunt underway right now for the gunman behind the multiple mass shootings in Maine last night. Here's what we know at this hour. The exact number killed unclear. Law enforcement does tell CNN at least 16 people are dead. Dozens more injured in Lewiston, Maine. The shootings happened at two separate locations, a bowling alley and a restaurant. Police have identified 40-year-old Robert Card as a person of interest. They say he's on the run and should be considered armed and dangerous. And here's what we know about Card. He's a certified firearms instructor and a member of the U.S. Army Reserve. Officials say he had recently made threats to carry out a shooting at a National Guard facility in Maine. He has also reported mental health issues, including hearing voices. Maine officials say hundreds of police officers and law enforcement officials are now working across the state to locate Card. People who live in and around Lewiston are being told to shelter in place. Lewiston Public Schools and nearby districts have canceled classes today, and anyone with information on the shooting or Robert Card's whereabouts have been urged to contact law enforcement. A reporter with our local affiliate, WMTW, is at a police checkpoint as the manhunt continues this morning. We're here in Lisbon Falls along the Route 196 corridor where they have actually just closed down the road. They're setting up a detour, and this is right in front of Lisbon High School where a lot of police presence have been gathered facing their search here in the Lisbon, Lisbon Falls area. Um, there's three tactical teams down there by the high school. That's where their base is, and they're running all the way down to the Androscoggin River here. I spoke with one police officer who says that they're likely going to be setting up a road closure on the other side of this um, search down the road towards Lewiston. We saw a public work truck head that way after setting up this um, barricade here, but cars are still coming. Coming from that direction. And at the start of this hour, you heard our Shimon Prokopes talking with Lisbon's police chief, Ryan McGee. CNN has crews across Maine right now and will have updates throughout the morning. Another major story, of course, we're following. Israel says they have conducted a targeted raid with tanks inside of northern Gaza before withdrawing. You can see in this video, it was published by the IDF, armored vehicles that includes a bulldozer which Israel says is part of preparations for the next stages of combat. And these new satellite images show the significant destruction across Gaza. On the left, an image from October 10th. On the right, just 11 days later. This all comes as Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu spoke yesterday about the plans for the ground incursion. We are raining down hellfire on Hamas. We have already eliminated thousands of terrorists. And this is only the beginning. At the same time, we are preparing for a ground incursion. I will not detail when, how, or how many, or the overall consideration that we are taking into account, most of which are unknown to the public. And this is how it needs to be in order to safeguard the lives of our soldiers. Let's get straight to Aaron Burnett joining us live from Jerusalem. Uh, there's been so much talk, Aaron, about when the wide-scale ground incursion will occur. But last night, I believe, there was a pretty significant operation in North Gaza. What do we know about that? 
Phil, you're right. It was, in fact, the biggest and the deepest ground assault on Gaza since this war began and perhaps in the past 10 years. So uh, while, of course, Israel is saying it was targeted and they had very specific goals with it, they said they took out numerous terrorists without elaborating any further on the numbers. Uh, the reality of it is, is this is extremely significant. Uh, there were tanks involved, bulldozers involved. We can see all that from the footage that the IDF provided. Uh, that is the footage that we have. Uh, reporters were not on the scene uh, to be able to actually see this, but it is very significant. Uh, it also comes as Israel has actually increased the number of people that it says were kidnapped uh, in the October 7th attack, saying that that number is now up to 224. This is as they identify uh, more bodies, but also as they get more intelligence from what's going on inside Gaza, which was a goal of this assault. But I think, Phil, you put your finger on it exactly. They're trying to say that it is targeted to show restraint internationally, but for the domestic audience here, they are showing that they are going in in a big, visible way, in an extremely significant way. Uh, and those before and after images show you and emphasize that while we focus on a ground assault and what comes next in these next stages that we clearly started to see last night, the reality of it is, is Gaza has been decimated, specifically northern Gaza, although there are strikes, of course, all the Gaza Strip. But those before and after images show what happens after what has been a devastating already 20-day war. And Aaron, I mean, I know you've been talking to doctors on the ground. The, the necessity of fuel to keep people alive is critical. And the U.N. has said, look, they are almost out of those fuel resources in Gaza. Israel still will not allow them in. They think Hamas is going to take the fuel. What are you hearing about these growing calls for yeah. Secretary Blinken called for a humanitarian pause? Yeah, the, 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 there's a huge, huge calls for that. Of course, Hamas says, says they want that. Israel is absolutely uh, not moving on this issue. They say that Hamas has the fuel. They have not provided evidence to to prove that those fuel tanks are, are full, as they insist that they are. But that's where they stand on this right now. Uh, the U.N., as you say, is is says that they are now rationing fuel. They say that they, their situation there is paralyzed, but they are rationing fuel. I spoke to one, one man who works for the Red Cross. He's out there desperately trying to provide assistance. All also says that they are hours away from true devastation. But his own wife is giving birth this week to a child and will have to do so uh, in, in, in a hospital that, that, that will lack antibiotics and morphine. As you, you talk about people injured in the strikes and what that means in this hospital, but also the mundane realities of, of daily life that people need medical care for are not there. Another doctor telling me, Poppy and Phil, one toilet for 800 people. You can imagine the lines, you can imagine the filth, you can imagine the disease. And that is an American doctor near the Rafa border in the best conditions that exist in Gaza. And that should give everyone some perspective on how dire it is there. Back to you. On day 20, uh, Aaron Burnett live for us in Jerusalem. Thank you. Get back to Aaron soon. Right now, police are searching for the suspect who sources say killed at least 16 people in two mass shootings in Maine last night. We'll take you to the ground in Lisbon. Back in a moment. We are continuing to follow the breaking news out of Maine. A significant and urgent manhunt underway for a mass shooter whose sources say killed at least 16 people and wounded dozens more last night. Maine officials say hundreds of police officers, state, local, and federal, are now working across the state to locate the gunman. People who live in and around the Lewiston area are being told to shelter in place. CNN Shimon Prokopez is in Lisbon, Maine right now, where he just spoke to the chief of police as he was patrolling the neighborhood. We showed that live. I also believe you just spoke to a resident as well. What's the latest from the ground, Shimon? 
Yeah, look, there's a lot of concern here, Phil, certainly. The neighbors here are calling 911 if they're hearing something suspicious. They're calling 911. Police responding uh, with long guns as they go through the area looking to make sure that the person they're looking for uh, is not there. But, Phil, I wanted to show you this area here. I'm over here because this is where uh, we're told that uh, the car was found, the person of interest, his car. This is where the car was found. And it's really close to where we were earlier, where police were doing that searching uh, and where they've been searching. We just saw police driving by uh, at a rapid rate. And then there's also a helicopter now. Uh, in the air as they are. Certainly, it seems as now that uh, there is daylight, that there is and the search is becoming more intense. And I think as this day goes on, uh, that's only going to increase because they really don't have any idea where he is now. But this is where he dropped his car. And then where he is now is a mystery. And that's why there's so much concern around this area. Take a listen to my conversation uh, with one of the residents here uh, as he talked about his concerns. It's just nerves are rattled right now, keeping an eye on the woods. Because I know those woods down there, they go run right back here. And I got my daughter inside. Um, your daughter? How old is your daughter? She's 10 years old. And my oldest daughter, she works at the Walmart DC too. And I had to message her to find out if she's okay. And it's very unnerving right now. Seeing those officers with those long guns walking through. That actually made me feel better. And seeing the cops coming around here, that, that makes me feel a million times better. In the situation like this, I wish I had a firearm. And that's exactly why police are out here searching. They, they want to address the concerns that the residents here have. What's making this so difficult is this area, just the way it is. It's a heavily wooded area. You see that's surrounded uh, by, by some water here. And even on this side here, uh, guys, I will show you on the other side here. Bob, turn around. You see it's all wooded. Uh, this is an entirely wooded area. There are homes uh, up and down these streets that are kind of in uh, these woods, and then there are homes kind of uh, where we were before on, on property where there are multiple homes surrounded uh, by woods. There's a lot, a lot of woods, and that's what's, I think, complicating a lot of the search. I mean, there just really is uh, nothing uh, for law enforcement to go on right now. They say they have some intelligence, they have information, and they're trying to center their search around that. But I think at this point, it's very clear uh, to everyone here that they have no idea uh, where this person is. And I think as this day uh, goes on, we're likely to see the uh, search increase, the intensity of it increase. Schools here are shut. Uh, they're urging people to stay home. Uh, there's a shelter in place. It's voluntary, obviously. They're not forcing people, but they're telling people stay home. They're telling people not to go to work. We are seeing people out driving. Uh, we saw some people walking dogs earlier. So you can certainly feel the tension in the air here. And I think as this day uh, goes on, uh, we'll see more of that. Yeah, and as the sun has come up and as you're demonstrating the scale of the undertaking for those law enforcement officials that's currently underway becomes a lot more clear. Shimon Prokopes will be coming back to you shortly. Thank you. Yeah. Okay, 
Let's get straight to CNN senior law enforcement analyst Andy McCabe, also CNN national security analyst Juliet Kayyem. Juliet, I want to start with you. For people who don't know, you were also the assistant secretary of the Department of Homeland Security. Evan Perez, our colleague reporting, DHS has people on the ground there. FBI, ATF has people on the ground there. A couple of things we know. The car was moved, right, where they found that car connected to him. It's not there anymore. We know he's got a rifle, at least one assault-style rifle, and is highly trained in guns. Uh, and police are on foot looking for him right now. What challenges do they face? So you're you're going to assume at this stage now that he had an exit or hiding strategy. This was, he's trained. He knows how to do this. He knows how to use guns. He knows how to uh, kill lots of people in multiple places. One has to assume he also had a strategy to hide out for some period of time. You're going to go on that assumption. Uh, so he is either hiding right now in a place that he already determined he would hide at. What people, I know this area, you know, you know, there's there's lots of hunting cabins. There's lots of cabins. They they may not be occupied during weekdays. He may have one himself or have, have you know, uh, 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 trespassed onto one. Uh, so he may be hanging out during the days in a place that no one, you, know, you simply don't have the manpower um, to to try or go to all these places. That's why they're going out to the community saying, you know, check your property, check uh, 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 if you have any identification here. The Homeland Security front is twofold at this stage. I mean, well, the federal front is twofold. One is the FBI on motive. What what compelled him to do this? If anything, be, um, is it mental health? Is, it, is there a motivation behind it? Why this town? Why those places? Uh, and then you have the DHS uh, um, uh, part of it, which is, you know, we always worry about copycats. So you want to communicate with other communities, uh, but you also have the Canadian border, uh, which is which is if he's in another car, he's there or he's around there. So C Canada is engaged uh, uh, at the border. You know, someone could pass by, uh, you know, by foot and stuff. So you're going to engage Canada as well. Andy, when you talk about motive and, and how this actually all played out, two separate locations about 10 minutes apart, what does that tell you about either the planning or, or the intent here? Well, it's hard to say with great clarity at this point, Phil. We know, you know, if you look back at the um, at the shootings at the dance halls in California a couple months ago, uh, it, it almost seems at times these mass shooters who go to multiple locations, if they're not stopped at the first uh, uh, location, oftentimes they they then are in the, a position that they didn't anticipate they would be in, and so they kind of you know, plan it on the fly, as it were, and end up at, a, at another spot. So that could be the case here. It's also possible that the, he picked these locations for some significance to him personally or to family members or to issues that are driving him right now and had this planned out uh, from advance. We won't know that until law enforcement gets an opportunity to engage with him, and that may never happen, or if we come across writings or a manifesto or social media posts or statements or comments to other individuals who, uh, in the aftermath, may be able to shed some light on exactly why he did this. All of that is secondary to the question right now, which is, where is this person? And I think each one of the law enforcement agencies that's engaged here has a unique uh, toolkit to bring to that search. Can you speak to that with all your years of experience uh, with the FBI? Because Evan Perez reported also phone signals that they would likely be trying to track, obviously, if he still got his phone or when he used it last. H how successful can they be in that? 
Yeah, so that's a really important part of this, Bobby. It's, it's a very different situation than the escape prisoner manhunt we had in Pennsylvania a few weeks ago. In this case, this this man is from this area. He had access to transportation. He probably has access to funds, to uh, to money or credit cards, debit cards, and he likely also has a cell phone. Any one of those things can b- provide the tip that law enforcement needs. So uh, it's what. If uh, if they've identified his bank accounts, his credit cards, those sorts of things, there's work that you can do with uh, with those companies to get alerts as to when those when those uh, accounts have been accessed. If he's using a phone that's uh, that's his that's subscribed to him or one that we can identify that he uses. Obviously, when people use cell phones, you can sometimes triangulate their location based on the signals that cell towers receive from that phone when it's being used. It's also possible to get locational data from different websites and internet services, social media and other things that collect that kind of data uh, when you're using your account. So there's a lot of ways that, for instance, in in those situations, the FBI can be very helpful getting the sort of legal process that's necessary to establish that electronic surveillance. Julia, to that point, in the different toolkits, we had the Lisbon police chief tell our Shimon Prokopes his entire department had been called in. We know the officials that have come from the Boston field office on the FBI side. What's the interplay right now between local, state, federal? Uh, So uh, it's always a local event. So you'll have the incident command set up locally. State police in Maine have a huge role simply because of the the highways. These are long stretches of highways where you're not going to encounter even commercial uh, activity. Uh, Homes are isolated. Uh, And then you'll have the interstate compacts that are going on, Massachusetts, other New New England states, uh, with the FBI assisting or other federal agencies assisting at different pieces. So they know how to sort of play this out because the capacity of any individual jurisdiction at this stage, or in particular, a smaller jurisdiction is going to be spent relatively quickly. So we're really looking at the state police. There's one other issue that's just really important right now. This is a challenge in active shooter cases, challenge in terrorism cases. We now have a community under lockdown. We have a a college, Bates College is under lockdown as of last night or or was under lockdown. So so if if he's not found in the next couple hours, there will have to be not a law enforcement decision, but essentially a political decision about are you going to tell people, you know, be vigilant, stay inside as much as you can. But you but people have to move around. You can't close schools indefinitely waiting to see, you know, this could be a yeah. multi-day manhunt. So that's the challenge right now. Really important point, Juliet. Uh, Andrew, thank you for all your expertise. We appreciate it. And we are following the breaking developments as a person of interest in the deadly Maine mass shootings last night is still at large. We're going to be joined by the mayor of Auburn, Maine, where residents are sheltering in place this morning. Stay with us. More CNN This Morning to come after the break. You're looking moments ago. That is a helicopter circling above Lewiston, Maine. Obviously, they are in an urgent manhunt for this person of interest who carried out those two mass shootings by air and also those police officers on foot. (coughs) This morning, they continue that search. And again, police have identified 40-year-old Robert Card as a person of interest. Neighboring towns like Auburn are home to reunification centers for those who are witnesses to the shootings. The town is urging all residents this morning to shelter in place as the manhunt continues. 
Joining us now is the mayor of Auburn, Maine, Jason Levac. The town only separated from Lewiston by a river. Uh, Mr. Mayor, we appreciate your time. Our hearts go out to your entire community at this point. What information have you been given uh, by law enforcement, given the lockdowns and the, the search that's underway? And really, information is kind of, um, it's fluid. It's a fluid situation, if you would. Uh, <coughs> right now, there's nothing new to report. We will be having a press conference over at the city of Lewiston uh, just in a few hours. Hopefully, more information will be released to the public at that point. But right now, we're encouraging everyone, uh, shelter in place, schools are closed, businesses are closed, stay home with your loved ones right now, and just pray for the victims um, of last night's terrible tragedy. Of course, we certainly are, Mayor. You are a five-generation resident of Auburn, and your town now is sort of, you know, a place where a lot of people are hoping in these reunification centers that they will be reunited with their loved ones. You said something on CNN last night that was so striking. You said the silence there was really telling. Can you explain that to us? Um, yeah, I think it's the silence of just not knowing right that that's what they don't say and i, and I spoke with a lot of uh, a lot of eyewitnesses uh throughout the course of the evening and early morning um i spoke with their family members who are waiting to be reunified um and it was it was it was telling you know it's just there's really not much to say and we understand that um yeah it was uh it's going to be with me for the rest of my life and it's really hard for me to explain that i understand of course We've had several people talk about how tight-knit the communities are. Um, do you know anybody? Have you spoken to anybody personally affected by, by what happened last night? Yes, several. Several people. Several friends. And how are they doing? Um, it, it's a... I, well, several of them aren't with us anymore. Um, and the other folks that I knew, it's it's uh, that were there either as witnesses or family members of witnesses. It's obviously traumatic. It was uh, the bright spot was seeing individuals reunified with their loved ones after not knowing for so long. But on the on the other side, the ones that were waiting and waiting that probably would never be reunified. Did you lose friends, Mayor? Yes. I don't think there's going to be very few people in this community that have not been touched by this. I'm so sorry. I know those words are inadequate, but I am. You said something else last night that at the bowling alley, um, you know, it was a youth night. So there were kids there as young as, as 12. We heard from a little girl who got grazed by a bullet. Thank God she survived. But, you know, she asked the question everyone asked this morning, why? Why did this happen? I just wonder if you have any other updates on uh, children. Uh, with regards to intent, um, no. Ch no children. Ch Ch it's a question that we all want. Say again? I was just asking about children, if you know anything more, because apparently there were a lot of kids there last night at the bowling alley. There was. I, I, I don't know many specifics or exact details, if you would. I do know of one, um, one teenage individual who was wounded. Uh, but he's going to make a full recovery. I talked to his family last night. Um, he's a great kid and went to high school with my son. And uh, my thoughts and prayers are with him and his family, too. Um, the reunifications, 
there are very few bright spots in moments like this. And again, we can't express uh, our sorrow for what you personally, your entire community has been through. Um, can you describe some of the reunifications as family members got back together, got the good news in a night of terrible news? Yeah, no, it was. I mean, we had uh, we had grief counselors, members of a uh, local clergy, um, you know, state police uh, representatives with us, and everything was very well organized as best we could, considering everything. Um, and we it was a good, secure location, and it gave them the space they needed for reunification uh, to grieve in certain situations, as well as to actually, you know, grab their loved ones, hold them, get them home. Mayor Jason Levesque. Thank you, and our hearts are with you, especially this morning. No, thank you. CNN This Morning continues now. Multiple shootings in Lewiston, Maine. A mass casualty, mass shooter event. Police are currently searching for a Robert R. Carr. He's dropped his vehicle. He's already out of Lewiston. He's former military. He is a certified firearms and tactics instructor. This is so often the weapon of choice for many of the nation's deadliest mass shooters. The two hospitals have called in every off-duty staff member that they could. I slid into where the pins are and was on top of the machine until the cops got there. Just unbelievable that somebody would go into a place like that and start shooting at families. There were kids probably trying to have a family night. We've got a really strong community. We've overcome a lot and we'll overcome this. This is CNN Breaking News. Well, good morning. We are continuing to follow the breaking news. I'm Phil Mattingly with Poppy Harlow in New York. Right now, an urgent manhunt is underway in Maine after mass shootings at a bowling alley and a bar and grill last night in Lewiston. Law enforcement sources tell CNN that at least 16 people are dead. At this hour, police are still looking for Robert Card. He is described as an armed and dangerous person of interest. We are told that he is a military-trained firearms instructor, a member of the U.S. Army Reserve, who was recently committed to a mental health facility. These are images of the gunmen inside the bowling alley. And in this video, you can see people running out of the building as police search the area with flashlights and their guns drawn. We're now hearing from survivors, including one man who says he was bowling when the gunman came in and opened fire just 15 feet behind him. It's normal night of bowling and out of nowhere, he just came in and there was a loud pop. I thought it was a balloon. I had my back turned to the door. Um, and as soon as I turned and saw it was not a balloon, he was holding a weapon. I just booked it um, down the lane and I slid basically into where the pins are and climbed up in the machine and was on top of the machines for about 10 minutes until the cops got there. Investigators say a vehicle connected to Robert Carr was found near a trailhead and boat launch in a nearby town. This is video of a SWAT team with an armored truck and heavily armed officers rushing to that area. CNN just spoke to a local resident hunkering down in his home with his 10-year-old daughter, right near where the vehicle was discovered. My wife, she normally gets up for work. She came and grabbed me and was like, hey, there's an active shooter and he's parked down where you go fishing at. Nerves are rattled right now, keeping an eye on the woods. Because I know those woods down there, they go run right back here. And I got my daughter inside. It's very unnerving right now. Hospitals have been just overwhelmed. Sources tell CNN 50 to 60 people were injured in the shootings. Officers with rifles have been standing guard outside of the hospital in Lewiston. We have team coverage on the ground in Maine this morning. 
Omar Jimenez is there in Lewiston. Let's start with Shimon Porcupes, who has been in the middle of the manhunt in nearby Lisbon. Shimon, what can you tell us? Right. So, Poppy, I'm standing here at that boat launch that uh, Phil was just talking about. This is where uh, police last night found the uh, person of interest. This is where they found uh, his car and that sort of kicked off this mantle. This is kind of the area that police are searching. Uh, what they're doing is mostly responding to 911 calls. People are calling 911 to say they hear things, to say that there's an open door. We were present in one of those situations where there was a 911 call. Police responded and they did a search. Uh, and they found nothing. But certainly people here uh, in Lisbon are on edge. They've been told to stay home. Schools closed. They've been told if they don't have to go to work, not to go to work. Many of the stores are expected uh, to be closed as well. We got a chance to speak to the police chief, the Lisbon police chief, who talked to us about some of the things that they've been going through uh, through the night. Take a listen to that. There's a lot of officers involved with the search. I mean, I don't want to give anything away. I can say my whole department's involved. And every how many department is that? in this area, say every department. I've seen departments across the entire state of Maine have responded. So we want to uh, locate the individual and make sure our community's kept safe. So biggest thing I can say is, you know, make sure that if the community sees anything, stay inside, don't approach, call the police department, just like we just did here, just here. Someone heard something, they called. It's the right thing to do. I'd rather turn out to be a deer than, uh, you know, the, this person. But we want to locate him. Do, do you know if the if the person of interest, if he knows this area, is there any I indication? I can't comment on any of that right okay. now. We, we have a lot of intel and we're just working, you know, in conjunction with our state and federal partners. Everybody's involved. We're just trying to keep the community safe. Obviously, it's a very tragic incident that happened and we're doing our job to the best abilities to, to locate the suspect. So. How confident are you that you'll get him? I would say that we're going to not stop until we locate them. So you don't have to worry about that. And Phil and Poppy, what's making it so complicated here, just look around this whole area. I mean, there are woods everywhere. It's this entire area surrounded uh, by woods. There are trails, there's rivers, and there are homes, people living in homes. And that's what's got everyone so on edge here that perhaps you know, obviously that he could be hiding in one of the homes. And that's why we're seeing police respond to almost any 911 call that they get for any kind of suspicious activity. But certainly, you know, there's a lot of people on edge here uh, and hopefully they can they can find this guy pretty soon. Yeah, understandably so. Shimon, stay with us. Omar, police are set to give a press conference I think at 1030 a.m. What do we know? What's the latest there? Yeah, well, bottom line, this is still a very fluid investigation. It's a very fluid situation. We obviously know the manhunt is continuing, as Shimon laid out there, but also the investigations into what actually happened at these scenes is going on. We're right near the Bar and Grill, which is one of two mass shooting sites, uh, two sites of the mass shooting that unfolded last night. If you, We've got a little bit of an elevated view here. We've been watching investigators come in and out of this scene throughout the morning. Uh, as the suns come up, a little bit more of an increased presence here, of course, as they try to piece together what happened there. This was at the Bar and Grill a few miles from here at a bowling alley. It was where another one of the mass shootings happened. And look, it's why they have put out the picture of Robert Card as a person of interest. It is, as we understand, the person that law enforcement are trying to track 
track down right now, and it is the person they consider armed and dangerous. We know that these were mass casualty events. Some were killed, many more were injured, but also many survived. Take a listen to two people who were inside the bowling alley as those shots broke out. She was grazed by a bullet um, while we were running. I never thought I'd grow up and get a bullet in my leg. And it's just like, like, why? Like, why do people do this? That one at a bowling alley, this shooting at a bar, both places where people were out trying to have fun before it quickly became a nightmare. Schools are closed out of an abundance of caution. Places across this area are being told to shelter in place out of an abundance of caution. All of them waiting for answers from law enforcement. Hopefully we get some of those answers at this press conference that's happening a little bit later this morning. But as we know from them, it is still a very fluid investigation and situation. And they hope to bring some peace of mind to people soon by capturing this person. But obviously it's gonna be a long process here. Omar, thank you. Shimon, thank you. Joining us now is CNN Chief Law Enforcement uh, and Intelligence Analyst John Miller. Uh, very busy night. The resources that have flowed in have been significant. How does it all work when you have the ATF, the FBI coming up from Boston? Um, you have the local police departments, state police as well. How does this all work? So there is a system. It's called the Incident Command System, or ICS. And it's an interesting question because... Without it, you know, you have everybody doing their own operation and no coordination. With it, you have a designated incident commander. You have a command post. You're running the operation from there. That person's calling the shots. You look at your perimeter. You divide it into sections. You have your FBI SWAT team, your ATF SWAT team, your SWAT team so from Portland you, like, PD. Just to pull up the locations themselves right yeah. now, if you're looking at the map, what are they all trying to do right now? So they're gridding this out. And they're giving, you know, different teams areas of responsibility. You know, this is your area within the perimeter. But there's also response teams because all night long they've been getting those calls. And it's, um, you know, one of my garage doors is open and it wasn't open when I went to bed. I heard a noise outside. Uh, I saw a figure cross through the yard and they've been responding to those. Now, none of those have panned out. In terms of. We don't know if he has a car. I just want to make that clear. They found a car connected to him at this sort of area where there's a trailhead and also where boats can launch. But that they haven't said it was his one and only car and we got it. So we so, don't know if he's on foot or in a car or, or a boat. So that's one of the questions that at that command post they're gaming out, which is what was the play here? He does multiple victim shootings at two locations. He jumps in the car and he goes where? He goes into a wooded area. He goes down a country road into the woods. It ends at a trailhead where hikers would go and where there's a boat launch. So if we have a planning person who has gamed all this out, and by the way, my experience with these cases is there's a lot of planning that goes into developing and planning and equipping yourself for the act and not much on the back end. Mm. But if there is a back end plan here, that could be where there was a switch car. And then, as you said, Poppy, they have to look at in the intelligence cell in that command center, what cars has he ever had? What cars has he ever been pulled over in? What cars has he ever received a ticket in? What cars do family members have that he has access to um, and look for a switch car? The more likely scenario is uh, either that he goes off into the woods um, with his military training and his weapon. To that point, and, though, can we talk about that? Because I think sure. that's an important element here. You look at 
our forest area isn't coming up right now, so we'll stay on the gar- car. But we saw Shimon's live shot. When the, when the light came up, you saw the sun, you look around, and you say, oh, this is a difficult terrain for law enforcement, I would think. Is that fair? Well, it is, but at the end of that trailhead, there's two things. There's the trail, and then there's the boat launch. Right. So the question is, does he have a boat there? Did he place a boat there? Or is he aware of a boat that he could take there? And is that a second part of a plan? Or just because he's done his shooting and he's in escape mode and it's where he ended up. And those are unknowns. Uh, one of our guests brought up how different this is than the inmate that escaped just a couple of weeks ago. So the Daniel Cavalcante yeah. search in well, Pennsylvania. Very different. This guy is military trained in firearms use. And there's also the fact that he's an Army Ranger. So his level of training um, is superior. He's got a military background. Um, he's got a superior weapon. Um, and, you know, he has multiple murders behind him. And he knows the area. Uh, but a lot of the dynamics are similar, which is they've got a perimeter that they believe he's within. And we learned in the Cavalcante search in Pennsylvania that Sometimes you find that, you know, that perimeter has been penetrated and he's outside. Um, At this case, they're going on what they have. Remember, the chief told Shimon, we have a lot of intelligence. Yeah, that was interesting. Well, that intelligence cell there has been running everything about him, everyone he's ever known, all the things he said on social media, all the same things I did last night, going through his notes and his travels and his friends and his messages um, to try and figure out. Who would he turn to? Where would he go? Is there a tell? Did anything stand out to you going through those? Well, what I learned from his traffic on social media is he was coming out of the, the military. He was talking to army buddies. These were very normal conversations. Mm. Talking to army buddies about, you know, I got so-and-so to move up here to Maine. So we've got our little group together. We're doing some training at West Point was one of the things he said. We haven't verified that, but that's what he said. Um, he made the joke, you know, when you can't do, you teach. Um, so it seemed like a very rational conversation between someone who was trying to reconnect with people he'd been through things with. All right, John Miller, stay close. This is very fluid at this point. We appreciate it. Thank you. We are all obviously going to continue to cover this breaking news, an urgent manhunt for the gunman who sources say killed at least 16 people last night. One of the scenes of the gruesome murders was Schmengi's Bar and Grill in Lewiston, Maine. The restaurant posted this on their Facebook page. My heart is crushed. I'm at a loss for words. In a split second, your world gets turned upside down for no good reason. We lost great people in this community. How can we make sense of this? Sending out prayers to everyone. More in a minute. More CNN This Morning to come after the break. Well, we are continuing to monitor the breaking news and the mass shootings out of Maine, but we also want to turn to some other major news. For the first time in more than three weeks, Republican Congressman Mike Johnson is now the Speaker of the House. House Republicans have a speaker, a speaker who will now have to navigate the familiar calls for Congress to do something, anything in the wake of yet another shooting. Now, Johnson secured the gavel yesterday after a bruising and chaotic three weeks for his party. We've learned a lot of lessons, but you know what? Through adversity, it makes you stronger. And yeah, and and we want our allies around the world to know that this body of lawmakers is reporting again to our duty stations. Let the enemies of freedom around the world hear us loud and clear. The people's house is back in business. 
Now, the new speaker is facing a litany of pressing issues as he takes on a new role, both abroad with the future of aid to Israel and Ukraine and here at home, where in three weeks, government funding is set to expire again. That means the GOP-controlled House will need to work with the Democratic-led Senate and White House to once again avert a government shutdown. Joining us now is Republican Congressman South Dakota's Dusty Johnson. He and the rest of his Republican colleagues all voted for the new speaker, now Speaker Mike Johnson. Congressman, I appreciate your time. I know this is we've spoken about how this has been a very frustrating uh, three plus weeks for you. Um, the first thing I want to I want to play something you said on Friday, because I thought that this was a very it was both candid, but it was also a very astute observation about what the next speaker would be. Take a listen. What's going to happen now is I think we're going to need to take a little time to decompress from what was a difficult environment, and we're going to need to have some people do some soul searching. I think we're going to need to find some people who have never thought of themselves in this way, somebody who's not spent five or ten years trying to become the Speaker of the House. We need to find somebody who frankly understands that this may well be the last opportunity they have to serve in politics. We have dealt ourselves an incredibly difficult hand. I'm not going to ask you if this is the last opportunity Mike Johnson has in politics, but but it was an important point because it, I think, alluded to what comes next, which is you have a couple weeks to fund the government. You have obviously a $105 billion emergency supplemental to consider. You still have a very fractious uh, conference that, despite the unity yesterday, I think there's probably some wounds uh, that are very much still open uh, amongst the various sides of things. Uh, so where do you think this goes from here? Mike Johnson uh, does have a difficult hand of cards that's been dealt to him. You were right in describing the last three weeks as chaotic and bruising. That might actually help us, though. Uh, people are tired of fighting. I think they have had an opportunity to realize how embarrassing it was that we didn't get legislation addressed in the last three weeks. So I actually get this sense that there is a willingness to move forward. You're right, in three weeks, we shut the government down if we don't act. That would be unacceptable. Shutdowns are stupid. They don't help anything. They don't save any money. They don't make America stronger. And so you're going to see, starting in just the next few days, today, uh, and, uh, and then also next week, we're going to pass those single-subject appropriations bills that are going to be necessary to avert a shutdown. Uh, the speaker in his letter to the conference uh, before he was elected said, I think acknowledged to his credit, the reality that there will need to be a continuing resolution given the compression of time and the number of bills that still haven't been reconciled with the Senate, all of them. Uh, he suggested January or April. Would you be amenable to either or both of those dates? I'm willing to defer to the speaker. I think, you know, you know when, when you select a new coach, I think you've got to give them some flexibility to call the play. I'm going to go to the huddle and I'm going to run the play that the coach calls. That doesn't mean blind allegiance. It does mean that from a strategic perspective, I think we want to give uh, Speaker Mike Johnson uh, and his leadership team an opportunity to figure out a way out of this box canyon. We're in a bad spot. We were in a better spot three weeks ago, but we squandered the time that we needed to get the work done on those appropriations bills. And so if the speaker wants, uh, wants to get a conservative CR that gets us to January, uh, I'll back his play on that. The $105 billion emergency aid request from the Biden administration, Israel, Ukraine, uh, border funding, Indo-Pacific region funding as well. I'm not saying you're going to take it as whole and push it through, but what is the path? Is there a pathway for both Israel funding and Ukraine funding? There is a strong majority of lawmakers in both the House and the Senate that understands this world is a lot more dangerous when uh, America uh, recedes from leadership. 
And clearly, we, we want to help our allies like Israel and Ukraine. I do think we need to work with the White House for them to have a stronger value proposition about why this matters. Of course, in the early days of a conflict, uh, like with Ukraine uh, 20 months ago, Americans are there. We understand the stakes. We are appalled at the invasion by Vladimir Putin and his thugs. Over time, people get fatigued. They get exhausted. They ask legitimate questions about what is the end game? What has this money gone to? And I, I hope the president uh, steps up and does a better job of explaining what is the mission and how do these investments tie toward uh, American interests and a safer globe. Congressman, before I let you go, I want to ask you about the, the shooting in Maine. Um, less about the, you know, what is Congress going to do here? Because we don't know the type of gun. We don't know how it was purchased. We don't know so much right now. But from the broader context of things, uh, Maine, not unlike South Dakota, low levels of violent crime, higher levels than the national average of gun ownership. I know you're a hunter as well. Is the reality in this country unlike every other country that's developed like the U.S., with the Second Amendment and with gun ownership, this is just the norm. People have to accept this. I'm glad uh, that you mentioned the, the, the similarities to the area where I live and where this terrible tragedy happened in Maine. I think that's the, the human psyche. We have a tendency to, to look in these crises for the stories that connect with us. And you're exactly right. Uh, I mean, I live in a rural community, uh, communities with very high levels of, of gun ownership, but very low levels of violent crime. So these, to, to have this kind of a story come out of that kind of a community uh, is jarring. And I don't think we can accept that this is the norm. I think everything in us needs to say absolutely not. I mean, and, and we know that America, even aside from these mass shootings, America is a very violent country. And we have a carnage that is breathtaking with 100,000 suicides a year and 100,000 drug overdose deaths. And I think we need to try to figure out from a root cause why, why is society fraying at the seams? I would just note that the accused did spend two weeks uh, in a mental health facility. And, and although it is almost impossible to find anything positive about this story where real people have been erased from this world... I do think we, that is part of the solution. The fact that, that, that his community, his society was willing to get him that help, it clearly did not work. But that is the path forward because it works so many times. But tied to that, um, you know, you opposed the, the gun safety bill that was signed into law by President Biden that had funding, not direct uh, application of red flag laws, ERPOs. Maine has a yellow flag law, which I think is a... a a restructured version of that that has a couple more steps to it. Is that an answer here? That ties to the mental health, but that's always run into issues with gun rights advocates who are concerned about uh, people's ability to have their weapons taken away. The data does not indicate that these move the needle in a substantial way. Now, we're still relatively early on in the lifetime of, of some of these gun control mechanisms, right? So you're we're going to continue to see data come out. But again, two years ago when that gun control bill passed, and it did more than just red flag laws, it did yeah. other things. You're right, I voted against it. But, you know, President Biden called this a sweeping piece of legislation, legislation that would save thousands of lives. I'm a data guy, so of course I want to analyze the data. But my my thought right now 
is that this gun violence in the last two years has continued uh, continue unabated. That in fact, what the president said is not true, that that gun control legislation didn't actually move the needle in the right direction. As a result, before we just go piling on more gun control legislation on gun control legislation that doesn't work, I think we need to talk about root causes. A conversation very worth having. Congressman Dusty Johnson, we appreciate your time as always, sir. Thank you. Thank you. All right, at 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, just a couple of hours from now, police will hold a news conference with more details on the shootings in Lewiston, Maine. We're live on the ground there next. I don't know. I don't even, I don't even know what to say. That is, that is absolutely disgusting, and it's sad. And it's sad that we sit here and watch this happen time after time after time after time, and nobody does anything about it. I, I don't even want to talk basketball. I'm sorry. I, I just, like, we played a game. It was fun. Well, obviously, we won. But I mean, there's, if, if we can't do anything to fix this, it's over. It's over. It's over for our country for this to happen time after time. You hear the exasperation in his voice. That was Sacramento Kings basketball coach Mike Brown addressing the shooting, the mass shooting in Maine last night. And Phil, how many NBA coaches have been talking about this for how long? Doc Rivers, Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr. They don't want to talk about basketball. They want to talk about why this keeps happening. Which I don't think is that different from a lot of people in the country. That point, people are exhausted and tired. And the real question of, is this just, that's what I just asked Congressman Johnson. Is this this the reality? People say no and say, sure seems like it sometimes, which is frustrating, infuriating, and in this case, extraordinarily tragic. Yeah, we're going to talk to Senator Chris Coons ahead. Obviously, he was one of the leads on the bipartisan gun bill that did pass last year. We'll get to that soon. But there is new information into CNN. We've learned that a shelter-in-place advisory has expanded to the neighboring town of Bowdoin, Maine. Schools are closed there today, and an urgent manhunt is underway for that gunman behind mass shootings at two locations in Lewiston, Maine, last night. There will be a news conference two hours from now, 10.30 a.m. Eastern Time, from state police. Evan Paris joins us live from Washington, D.C. Evan, you're getting a lot of information in terms of it's certainly not just local authorities. There are, the feds are there. Right, and I think one reason uh, that you see that res- the response, uh, Poppy, is that because the, the longer this goes, the more hours that this uh, suspect, this person uh, is at large, the greater the distance that, that, that these searchers have to cover. And that's why you see additional uh, shelter-in-place orders going into those towns that are a little further away from Lewiston. It's not clear where this suspect has gone. And that's the reason why you now see uh, dozens of, of agents coming from, from the U.S. Marshals, from ATF, from the FBI. Uh, one of the things we heard this morning is the FBI has, has sent dozens of people in there, not only uh, SWAT teams who are going to respond to wherever there might be sightings, but also evidence collection teams. Obviously, this is a, an area with, with police uh, that don't deal with scenes like this. I mean, not many places deal with scenes like like this, and so uh, even the basic uh, things like the police work of evidence collection is something that the FBI is helping to assist uh, both the state police and the Lewiston uh, Police Department. There, we know that uh, they've also brought in uh, victims assistance people 
who will help the victims who witnessed this horrific scene, but also to try to get a little bit of information from them. One of the big questions at this hour is, why did the suspect go to these two locations? Uh, what happened? Was there some something that brought this uh, suspect to these two locations to carry out this shooting? At this hour, though, everybody is trying to figure out where the suspect is. Evan, Evan, thank you so much uh, for that reporting. We'll get back to you soon. And this is new video just into CNN. It shows people, some of them holding hands. Look at that. They are evacuating the bowling alley after the mass shooting there in Maine. The very latest ahead on that. We're also closely watching what the Middle East, uh, what's happening in the Middle East is the U.S. calls for a humanitarian pause to allow desperately needed food, water, medicine, and other essentials to reach Gaza. Cindy McCain, the executive director of the World Food Program, joins us to discuss. Stay with us. We continue to follow the breaking news out of Maine, where an urgent manhunt is underway for a shooter who opened fire at two locations in Lewis, Lewiston. But we want to turn now to the border of Israel's to Israel's northern border, where Israel and Hezbollah have been exchanging fire across the border over the course of several weeks. CNN's Jim Shudo is live at a staging post where Israeli troops are preparing for further attacks from Hezbollah. Jim, what are you seeing on the ground there? Well, Phil, if you want a sense of the level of alert up here in the north for the possibility of a second front in this war, you get it here. This is Matula in northern Israel, normally a bustling town of young families and older people, students. It's empty. It's under mandatory evacuation. It has been since the day after the October 7th attacks. One reason for that is it's surrounded on three sides uh, by Lebanon, over here, just to the north, and over here as well. And the soldiers told, tell me they're under constant lookout for sniper fire, rocket fire, as well as the possibility of ground incursions. It was just a few miles from here several days ago where a Hezbollah unit actually crossed the border. They were engaged by the IDF and killed. But they say they're a probing attack similar to that most days. That is the level of the alert here. And when you speak to soldiers here, most of them reservists called up since October 7th, they feel like they are fighting for the safety of their country now. One of them said to me, it feels like a second war of independence for Israel, hearkening back to 1948. They are watching, they are waiting, and this is really a buffer zone in the north because they fear that what they saw in the south in Gaza, they may see soon again in the north from Lebanon and from Hezbollah. Phil. Extraordinarily intense moments. Jim Shudo, thanks so much. Look at these new satellite images. They show the significance of the destruction across Gaza. On the left, that image is from October the 10th. On the right, that is just 11 days later, and you see so much flattened. People are desperate, desperate to get out of Gaza. Humanitarian aid is not getting in fast enough and not nearly enough. The United States now calling for a humanitarian pause to allow that desperately needed aid, food, water, medicine, other essentials into Gaza. An American doctor who is trapped in Gaza sent CNN this voice message yesterday describing what it is like in southern Gaza. Each person gets one piece of pita bread. When we first arrived, they had one can for two people of canned meat, and now it's four people. So they are getting some food, but very little. Joining us now is the executive director of the World Food Program, Cindy McCain. She just returned from spending time on the ground there in the Middle East. Ambassador McCain, thank you very much for being with us. Uh, the New York Times this morning, citing the Red Crescent, says that of the 28 trucks that were supposed to go in through that Rafa crossing, yesterday only eight made it in. What can be done to change that? And by the way, 20 is not nearly enough. 
Oh, 20. Uh, you might as well not do anything. We need to have a full access uh, corridor that goes in that is sustained and safe. And I mean a lot of trucks because the, the, we're talking about a million plus people that don't have any access to food now. Hunger is upon us. Starvation is upon us. It is utterly necessary that we get in there so that we can take food, medicine, water, as you just described. Uh, and we need it now. We need it desperately. For some perspective, I know uh, WFP has said about 500 trucks of humanitarian aid per day were going into Gaza before the crisis. 500 compared to eight overnight. Are we in a window of just days where people, including children, may starve to death? Yes, we are in that window. Uh, because we can't get in, we can't, we obviously can't get food to people who desperately need it. And the stores and the, the things that were left on the ground prior, you know, as the war hit, uh, are running out. And as and we've all heard the stories about fuel and water, of course. So uh, this is the kind of thing, thing that is an absolute catastrophe happening. And and the world community really needs to pay attention to this. We have got to get in there uh, so we can help these people uh, so they don't die. Can you explain, Cindy, what is holding it up besides those barriers that we've seen Egypt removing and putting back? There has been some reporting, the Times citing uh, an Egyptian uh, unnamed uh, official who had said that uh, the IDF is inspecting trucks because obviously they're concerned that things could be smuggled in for Hamas. Is that part of what's holding it up? Mm-hmm. I think it's a combination of things. That's certainly part of it. Uh, I also think that, that there are some, some, some difficulties on the Egyptian side. Um, we're, we're relying on and looking to our leaders to make sure that we can get the message straight and get us in there. Uh, I, I, you know, our trucks, we've got trucks amassed at the border. If we could get them in, that we could literally get that much food to the, to the people that are starving. Um, but we can't get in. And so uh, the, the lack of urgency is what in, in what really makes my heart pound because uh, the, the sense of no urgency at all or the sense that we don't need to, to get a lot of trucks in there just, it's, to me, is very heart-wrenching. And part of that lack of urgency, partly uh, from some lawmakers, some Republican lawmakers, is the reason you're in D.C. this morning. You flew there to have those crucial meetings. There have been mm-hmm. some Republican lawmakers, not all by any measure, who oppose this humanitarian aid to Gaza. They think it's going to get in the hands of Hamas mm-hmm. and who also are signaling that they would oppose the broader $105 billion supplemental package. This is a taste of what some of them have said. Remember, when aid goes to Gaza, it's not diverted by Hamas. It's delivered to Hamas. Stop sending money into Gaza until Israel cleans it out. Even if you have good intentions, the road to hell is paved with good intentions. Was Senators Tim Scott and Tom Cotton, have you been able to change their minds? Have you been able to change some other minds in Washington? I've talked to a lot of senators uh, and, and, and a few congressmen as well uh, on this issue. And, have, and I, I believe that I've been able to make it clear and with a better understanding on their part as to exactly what's going on. But what I would say to all members and especially to those who are naysayers is if you're not if you don't want to send money in to help starving people, then do it for national security, because this is a national security issue. Uh, so I pl- I've been pleading in that direction as well. I'm trying to make them understand what's at stake here. What do you mean by that, the national security argument? 
Well, mar migration, if we're talking about migration, we have countries on, on every border there that, that simply don't want any more migrants. So what does that mean? Uh, it becomes a national security issue. And so it, it, it's something that we, we have to, we've got to feed these people and help them uh, at least have, you know, make sure that they don't starve to death and, and hopefully keep them, you know, in one place as to, as to whatever, whatever the, the world's going to bring them. But let me say this, okay? Yeah. WP is good at what we do. In fact, we're great at what we do. And we help other organizations as well. So I would plead with both, with every country involved to please let us get in there and let us get to work. We have people on the ground and we're looking forward to hopefully being able to, to get a, a lot more trucks in so that we can do our job. Everyone is, is hoping Thank you for your work, uh, Ambassador Cindy McCain, very much. Well, right now, police are urgently searching for the gunman responsible for the deadly mass shootings in Maine last night. The latest on that search, that's ahead. And how are they doing? Um, it it's well, several of them aren't with us anymore. Um, and the other folks that I knew, it's it's uh, that were there either as witnesses or family members of witnesses. It's obviously traumatic. That was Mayor Jason Levesque of Auburn, Maine, describing how everyone in his tight-knit community knows victims of the two deadly mass shootings in Lewiston, Maine, overnight. Families in mourning this morning as police search for this man, Robert Card, identified as a person of interest. As of yesterday, the U.S. so far has seen more than 560 mass shootings this year alone. And it's not even the end of the year. That's according to the Gun Violence Archive. With us this morning of Delaware, who has worked tirelessly on the issue of gun violence, Chris Coons. Let me ask you, Senator, a question that Phil just asked Representative Dusty Johnson, and that is, is this just what Americans are going to have to accept, that this is, could happen to them any day? Poppy, I certainly hope not. President Biden signed into law last year uh, the biggest progress we've made forward on closing uh, loopholes in the gun background check system. Uh, and investing tens of billions of dollars more in community mental health. But yesterday, we took a vote on the floor of the Senate uh, on relaxing the standards for access to guns um, for veterans who have been adjudicated mentally ill. Actually, I may be wrong. That may be a vote coming up today. Um, we do have a country that is sharply divided in terms of our understanding on the limits on gun rights. It was one of President Biden's big accomplishments, along with a bipartisan group here in the Senate um, last year, that we move forward on closing background check loopholes and improving gun safety. But there is so much more to do. No other advanced industrialized country has this challenge, where day after day after day there are mass shootings all over our country. Um, all of us should reflect uh, on our willingness to commit ourselves to the safety of our children, our schools, our communities. If you can't go to a bowling alley or a movie theater, a synagogue or a church without having to worry about an armed assault, um, then frankly, we are not protecting our own people in the ways that we should. Senator, just to kind of put a finer point on this, to Poppy's question, in the wake of the bipartisan uh, gun law, which I think was, as you noted, the most significant in decades, uh, every Republican who co-sponsored that bill with you almost two 
a co-sponsor, not all of them, said there is no appetite for anything else. Period. End right. of story. Guys, you work with folks that you think highly of. Uh, there's no path here for anything else, is there? There isn't, Phil, and that's maddening to those of us here who think there is more for us to do. Uh, and frankly, after several weeks of chaos, the House has finally settled on a new speaker um, who I look forward to getting to know, but who by press accounts and from what I've been able to find online about his record um, is far more conservative than any uh, recent speaker. Uh, that makes me even more concerned that we will genuinely struggle to make progress on improving gun safety for our country, for our families, for our children. You say no appetite <clears throat> for any more gun violence um, prevention laws specifically, and, and you're right, Speaker Johnson did vote against that bipartisan bill last year uh, that you mentioned. But what about just mental health? Because this man spent two weeks this summer in a mental health facility. Do you think there's any appetite just writ large for more mental health aid if you don't connect it to guns? Well, it's important, Poppy, for us to distinguish between these two fields um, because there are millions and millions of Americans with mental health needs that are underfunded, where they have difficulty accessing services um, that have no connection whatsoever to right. gun violence. But in this particular instance, um, that clearly, um, that seems to, from press accounts, have been the causal factor. That's why I highlight the amendment by Senator Kennedy uh, that's part of the mix of amendments we are going to have to vote on before we move forward on our appropriations bill. It explicitly reduces the restrictions on veterans who've been adjudicated mentally ill from being able to access guns. For decades, that's been in place. If a court rules that you are too much of a danger to yourself and others to have access to guns, um, that strikes me as a, a pretty good predictor that you should not uh, be involved in gun ownership or gun purchases. Yet there is a significant group of, of Republicans here in the Senate trying to roll that back. That would be the biggest reduction in gun safety, uh, the biggest um, reduction from folks who are on the background checklist in decades. So uh, it's alarming that we have such a deep division between our parties in the intersection um, of gun safety and mental health. Um, and I think it is a bad predictor of uh, our political direction soon. Some of the hardest meetings I've ever been in at home in Delaware was with the parents of young children who in their first year of school had to do active shooter drills, something we did not grow up with, something that now is a daily reminder to school children uh, that their communities, their parents, their national leadership is not doing enough to keep them safe. Senator Chris Coons, uh, we appreciate your time as always, sir. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. Well, just into CNN, the U.S. economy expanded at an even stronger pace last quarter, even though interest rates were at their highest level in 22 years. GDP grew at an annual 4.9% rate in the third quarter, according to the Commerce Department. That's well above last quarter's 2.1% pace and faster than expectations. It was fueled by strong consumer spending, with factors like student loan payments resuming. Experts think the economy won't stay this strong. They've thought that often over the course of the last year. They, they certainly have. We're going to keep uh, a keen focus all day, of course, on this breaking news and, of course, on the war that continues between Israel and Hamas. And at 10.30 a.m., the governor of Maine and local police are set to hold a news conference giving the latest details on the shootings in Lewiston, Maine, as they urgently look for a person of interest. We're going to take you there live on the ground. Our teams are spread across Maine. Coverage will continue after this break with CNN News Central. 
That is it for this episode of CNN This Morning. You can check out our lineup of podcasts and showcasts at cnn.com slash audio or in your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com.